0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Hub radio podcast, where we highlight nonprofit innovators, leaders, and influencers every week that are changing the sector for the better. I'm your host, Delaney Mullenix, Executive Director of Nonprofit Hub. If you're not for profit and all for purpose, you're in the right place. You see, we know you're already doing good, but we've designed this podcast to help nonprofit professionals find growth, joy, and connection. So tune in weekly for new episodes to elevate your cause, spread the news, and share the resources we share with you.
1: Did you know Nonprofit Hub offers a variety of courses and certification trainings inside of their membership platform called Cause Network? All courses and certificates include a full free year of membership to access 365 days of learning and networking to further your career and to make the difference in your organization. Visit NonprofitHub.org courses to see the full list of on-demand courses and sign up for a course today. That's NonprofitHub.org courses.
0: Hey everybody, Delaney Mullinex here, host of the Nonprofit Hub radio podcast. In this episode, I talk to Rebecca Rodriguez. She is the principal consultant at For the Philanthropist and author of the Nonprofit Workbook. In this workbook, she shares all of the tips that separate a successful nonprofit from those that cannot get out of a startup phase and find a place of sustainability. So we talk about what sustainability means, what it means to serve the greater common good and more in this episode. Stay tuned. Welcome, Rebecca. So glad to be here, Delaney. Thank you. Um, for those of you who don't know Rebecca yet, um, we're going to get to know her more and then talk more about what makes a successful nonprofit and what sets them apart from all of the nonprofits that fail that we unfortunately know that statistic is too high. Um, Rebecca is the author of the Nonprofit Workbook. And Rebecca, remind me the full name of that, Startups for the common Greater Common Good. Tips and Best Practices
2: for Startups Serving the Greater Common Good.
0: Yes. And you are also the founder of a, I want to say it's a, it's a consultancy firm called For the Philanthropist. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Well, um, tell us a little bit more and help us understand what you do. So I work with donors. I have two um,
2: constituents, if you will. So I work with donors as it relates to their giving priorities and their giving programs. I can really help them do anything, whether it's designing a program or just helping them vet whatever their needs, whatever a donor or a funder would need, I can help do that. I also work with 501c3s who receive donor funds and I've kind of carved out a niche for myself as it relates to working with idea and startup stage. Um, There's various nonprofit life cycles and and the first initial two are the idea stage and the startup stage. And that's really what prompted the book. because I noticed that a lot of people found, want to be founders, if you will, or people who had already started their organization were stuck. They, they, they didn't know what to do. And it was a very challenging time for me as someone who's been a part of the sector for 22 years. And uh, so that's why I authored the book. I can help any organization if they're in the startup stage and transitioning into the growth stage to transition into the maturity stage, but really my niche is those first two initial stages.
0: Yeah. Really quickly, what are
2: the five stages? So we have idea, we have startup, growth, maturity, and then those two stages that we never seem to talk about, decline yep. and and turnaround
0: which you and I had talked about you should that should be your goal <laughs> is to kind of get to like the decline um hopefully yes. in, the, in the best way possible
2: <laughs> yeah I I just want to give some feedback to what <laughs> you said because that might really throw some people off yeah I was reading something this week and the writer said the the goal of your organization was to close your doors as soon as possible now Uh, If you've been a part of the sector for any length of time, the statistics uh, are way too high as it relates to organizations that don't even hit that $50,000 threshold that the IRS has set as a baseline to do a full form 1023 990 reporting. So, And that's sad. And that shouldn't be in in a country as rich as we are and with so many tools at our disposal. Yeah.
0: And I mean, hearing that, hearing that statistic also kind of leads to a number of other negatives about the nonprofit sector or like the dysfunctions of management in the nonprofit sector. If like your organization doesn't even have a budget of over 50,000, you're probably not getting paid appropriately. Um, (laughs) You're not paying your staff, right? Like there's so many things that that, just snowball. Reflects. It, yeah. it reflects.
2: A- absolutely. But what this author was saying and what De- Delaney kind of um, addressed is that he was challenging us that if we're going to open up a nonprofit, man, close those doors, because that means that you've met the mission or you've absorbed, you've merged with another organization. Uh, and and that's, that's where we need to be again, we have so much wealth in this country, so much technology, uh,
0: we can do this. So go ahead, Delaney. Oh, I just had to comment on that statement. Yeah, yeah no, I love that. I um, definitely want to follow whoever it was that you heard say that. Um, so what exactly stops people, I guess, a two twofold question, what stops people from going from idea to startup, and what stops people from going startup to growth?
2: So what stops people from idea to startup is that it could be a lot of things. You know, there's so many variables in life. (laughs) So it could be fear. It could be um, maybe reading even a book like mine where I'm really challenging you to make sure that a 501C is the best kind of business model for you. It could be time, lack of time. It could be lack of interest from your community because you should be asking your community. If if you're in the idea stage, hopefully you're building consensus, you're you're asking questions within the community that you want to serve. So there could be a lot of reasons that people never get off from the idea into startup stage. Also, the one, too, that we, I hear a lot in the for-profit world is people just don't take action, mm-hmm. and it, it takes effort, and you have to take action steps in order to manifest anything. From startup to growth, oh my gosh, how much time do we have on this call? <laughs> that could be the whole call if you want. <laughs> that could be the whole call. Oh, there's so much uh, lack of capital, lack of a good plan, no team, no community buy-in, lack of leadership, and and e- any one of those issues, Delaney. You pick one, and we could just dedicate to the rest of this call because those are all so layered. I'll I'll let you decide.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess. Um- in terms of like the workbook, let's talk about, maybe let's go back to the, from idea to startup, what are the questions that people should be asking themselves in the idea phase? Like you mentioned different types of business models, like what, what do those look like? What should people be asking?
2: Sure. One of the things I, I appreciate about our, our government, we are a free enterprise system here in the United States. We, we have a lot of wealth and our government has set up a lot of different business entities to promote that free enterprise system, if you will. So I tend to think that a lot of founders or want founders of a 501c3 think that they'll choose that model because they need to rely on donations or grants. Mm-hmm. And that should not be a part of the mix you need to look at how that entity or your idea is going to generate money and put it in context. So if your idea to meet a need is is common throughout our whole country, there's probably federal dollars out there as well as state and then municipal and county dollars. So maybe a a good business model would be an LLC uh, where you can contract with with governments, different levels of government. Because once you you know, people think government grants are really government grants, but they're not. <laughs> Our government calls them grants initially, but then they turn into contracts if you're awarded the grant. Mm. And so there's different models that, that work depending on your idea and depending on who you're serving. So I, I the, the business entity is a huge question and And again, our government's done a really good job. There's so many different entities out there, the the B Corp, the L3C, lots of different 501Cs within the umbrella of 501Cs. Yeah. I I think that it's very important to look at your community that you intend to serve and see who's in that ecosystem. Does any other entity, whether it's a for-profit or a nonprofit or a quasi-government agency, Are they meeting that need or similar, even similar, and and to maybe meet with them and and talk with them and see if there's any way you could possibly volunteer with that organization or serve on a committee for a little while. So uh, looking at the ecosystem of what your idea uh, is leaning towards serving is is super important. It's it's like a market. It's a feasibility study. It's a needs assessment. Like who's, who's, who's playing in this circle?
0: Right. Um, Go ahead. I was just going to say, and then you mentioned doing the community assessment survey um, or community needs assessment. Is that what you Mm -hmm. mentioned? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So if you're going to be serving uh, whether it's hungry people or domestic violence or uh, maybe a community garden then seek out those you want to serve, those, those pockets of the community, and um, maybe you can host Eventbrite meetings or a meetup, or you post something on Facebook, or you host a town hall, a physical live you know, one-on-one on a monthly basis, six months, 12 months leading up to your launch, if you will and get their feedback because those who are having that need to be met, who are falling through the cracks or, or have barriers, whatever those barriers are, I guarantee you they have ideas on how the solution can be remedied or ameliorated.
1: Calling all nonprofit pros, do you enjoy learning at your own pace? What about building your resume with certificates to showcase your talents? Nonprofit Hub's library of courses is the perfect place to strengthen your nonprofit skills and take your organization to the next level. You can elevate your impact with handcrafted courses designed exclusively for nonprofit pros like you. Learn to navigate grant writing like a pro. Master digital marketing and social media to amplify your cause. Build a board of directors who actually gets it. Get the scoop on nonprofit finance and more. Don't just make a difference, make the difference. Visit nonprofithub.org slash courses to see the full list of on-demand courses and sign up for a course today. That's nonprofithub.org slash courses. Now let's get back to today's show.
0: I'm super curious just as, as someone who's been in the position of being an executive director and working with a board and having so many nonprofits reach out to us to request information on how will you improve that relationship, and so often what I hear in those teachings is the like when the board was built. Um, and I'm curious if that's covered in your workbook, um, because so often when when nonprofits are starting, I don't think that the importance of the board is understood in terms of. You want to have a full board when you start and you want to like get it started in the right way. So like them understanding their expectations, having the bylaws made, all of that stuff before you go and like try to, you know, incorporate with this group of people and especially understanding if it's a working board and how even having a plan on how to get out of that phase, I think is important.
2: Absolutely. I agree. Um, I do address governance probably not as, as deep as I should. Uh, the way our government has it set up for compliance sake, we have to um, onboard, if you will. It can be some states have it down to one or yep. at the federal level. It's three as a minimal. And I, I, th- I don't think people really understand it, especially if you don't have any kind of experience in the social sector. So... What I tend to see is that people will put their best friends or or their family members um, on, on that initial board. And honestly, that's one thing I would like to see change in the future because it certainly isn't an effective way. Very few people get it right off the bat, Delaney, if you will. I think two or three years back, the ED from BoardSource wrote a phenomenal article that really rocked our sector. Uh, It was the Purpose Driven Board, Mm -hmm. and I I loved that article. I still promote that article when I work with executive directors and, and leaders of nonprofits because, again, it's kind of taking a step back and really looking at the community that you're serving and not so like... Oh, we've got to just, it's all on us and we're going to, we're going to do this and we're going to crush it. No, you, you need, it takes a village. We, we need each other. Um, so I think, um, that article is really important and I like all of board sources, uh, resources that they offer. It, it is a membership association. It's, it's so worth the money. But there's another up and coming governance model that, I actually like better um, because the typical board now, at least what I've experienced, it's a top down structure, whereas it needs to be more flat in my opinion. So sociocracy um, and the website is org. It's more of a sociocratic model where it's decentralized. So the marketing, uh, the people in, who have a heart for marketing uh, will have a group of people and, and they'll be assigned a budget line item. This is what you have for the year. And, and they build consensus within that marketing circle. The people for operations, again, people for programs, people for finance. And it's, and grant you the circle may be two or three people, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's more of a flat structure and then it you know, it feeds up in, into the, the senior leadership of the organization. And you said something really interesting, Delaney, you mentioned the working board. Mm-hmm. And I know that's common for small organizations, but you do absolutely need to get out of that mm-hmm. as soon as possible.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, well let's just use that as a segue into something else that I wanted to ask because I think the, the whole purpose of your book is to be uh, is to, to help people create a sustainable organization and you say that sustainability is more than just raising more money what exactly how do you define sustainability?
2: Sustainability for me is I take a more hope of a holistic approach. So first and foremost, my platform is really all about your program, your program and services. It's synonymous to me. So hopefully, especially if you're a a startup, and even if you're in an idea stage, start with one program or one service, get that underneath your belt, make sure it's a well-oiled machine, and then add on services Mm -hmm. or another program. But My platform is if your programs and services are doing what they say that your mission statement says it'll do, that you can prove that there's meaningful change occurring because of your efforts, to me, that will ultimately lead to a sustainable organization. Because if you can learn how to take that data and turn it into the anecdotal stories that everybody loves, that we've, you know, that kind of identifies our, our sector. And you promote that, you share that, the money's gonna flow. Mm-hmm. The money will just pour in. It will never happen as soon as
0: you want or as quick as you want, yeah. but it will happen. Yeah. Um, I'm also curious what you mean by the greater common good. The
2: greater common good for me, again, kind of getting back to that ecosystem and, mm-hmm. and the whole uh, philosophy of it takes a village. Yeah. So we're all connected, Delaney. We're all connected. Um, one of my passions is, is affordable housing. And there there's so many vulnerable populations that need affordable housing, formerly incarcerated people senior citizens, homeless people, foster youth, because we're not doing a good job of preparing them (laughs) to sustain life after they get out of, you know, the state's care, if you will. And it goes on, you know, the unemployed, it goes on and on people with disabilities or physical challenges. So those people in some way are connected to, they have employers, M- maybe not the senior citizens, but um, they have employers and, and a lot of times they have cars and, and they, they buy groceries in grocery stores. And those are businesses and, and, and there's so many services like to live life. Think about your circle, how just to carry on daily life there's so many connections we're interconnected, but I I think that because of the pace of our lives, our culture, we, we just go very fast and, and you don't think of the whole ecosystem. We, we don't. And, and I think that that works a, a, to our disadvantage. I think yeah. that if we were, would stop and, and just assess and, and realize, okay, so what, this decision, who is it going to affect? Look at your ecosystem, because we all have a part in that large employers, even small law and pop for-profit entities. They need the services that your nonprofit is providing throughout the community. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like a really good question for the I mean, an especially good question for those in that idea phase, where if you haven't thought about the ecosystem, because you might perceive a problem in the community, but that doesn't mean that there's not already several, maybe even hundreds or thousands of organizations in your community trying to fix that same problem. And I think that helps to like also identify where you can actually put like your good work to use versus trying to start start a nonprofit that is resource intensive, like nonprofits are not easy to run. I personally think it's like one of the toughest sectors to be in. <laughs> and I've been here for a while. It doesn't get easier. So I definitely think that's a great question for people to ask. Where can listeners find your workbook? You can go
2: to my website, uh, www.thenonprofitworkbook and, and be led to a link, which will eventually take you to Amazon. It will also be available very soon through your favorite bookstore. I'm, I'm working on that aspect. The book comes in, in the hardback, but it, it is also in audio and, um, and in electronic in ebook fashion. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Yes.
0: Very cool. Well, we try to always include a segment at the end of every episode called good news for nonprofits. What is one or more where we're happy to take more good news. Um, but anything that you can share with everyone today? So I,
2: I really believe I, I come from a place of abundance and there there really is great work being out there through our sector we we do have cause uh, to shout glory and yay and job well done every day mm-hmm. it's it's really amazing the generosity of people uh, the lives change the lives that we impact um, it, it it is very encouraging so know that anything is possible, anything and everything is possible. It does take effort and a really good plan takes capital. So just have fun with it. Take care of yourself and, and know that things will work out exactly as how they're supposed to work out.
0: Yes. I love that. I, um, something that I tell myself all the time is, and it's probably something I read like on a meme on Instagram (laughs) or something ridiculous like that, but it said the distance between where you are and where you want to be is always hard work. And like, that's like simply put like any goal that you have in life, wherever you want to go, whether it's personal career wise, professional relationship, the space in between is hard work. Like that's what it is. So yeah, I agree but the good news is that people do it and it's worth it. So uh. it is worth it. And and I think one of the um, things we
2: don't realize is that we've learned so much about ourselves Mm -hmm. in that process. I love the fact that we're very altruistic and we're very giving and we want to make a, you know, a change for the better. And, and that's great. I also believe that if that desire is, part of your destiny you have the most wonderful part of that journey is really self-knowledge which is what self-actualization is all about so it's yes, well said. yay yay for us that that we want to make a, a better you know impact in the world or a good impact in the world but we also are are being the best that we can be and that's super cool
0: yes yes well said um well for those of you guys listening um Nonprofit Hub has tons of resources for startups um whether you're just building your mission or your vision statement you're building your team whatever it is you're working on um make sure you check out our free resources at nonprofithub.org use the search bar find whatever you're looking for Rebecca and I are both happy to help you at any time um you know where to find Rebecca and we'll include all that in the show notes as well um but for now I guess we will catch you guys next week on the next episode of the Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us for this Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast episode. For more resources on fundraising, marketing, and all things nonprofit, be sure to check out the number one nonprofit toolbox at nonprofithub.org. We hope you'll join us next week for another episode of the Nonprofit Hub Radio Podcast.